I think there are parents that are born naturally maternal or paternal, that they they feel a connection right away with their child, that they feel, I'm, I'm sure everyone feels fear to a certain degree, but I certainly met a lot of women specifically in this mommy and me group that I was in that were sort of like, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel very scared. I feel really connected to the kid and I'm just taking it one day at a time. And I was like, what? What the fuck? I am terrified. I don't want to drive anywhere with him because I will accidentally kill him. I thought that I was going to ruin him and in the process ruin myself, which I felt really selfish about. Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray. Buckle up and get ready to take it deep on life, relationships, parenthood, and everything in between. Join in with me to feel deeply, provoke your inner spirit, and laugh or cry because we all know it's a pretty fine line. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Big Time Adulting Podcast. I have an amazing guest here today. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Katherine Reitman, the executive producer, creator, writer of the hit show on Netflix, Working Moms. You've seen her there playing Kate Foster. She's also the star of the show. And Katherine is here with us today to just break it down, break it down about the show, break it down about motherhood and more, because honestly, it's all very intertwined. So Katherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. So you're out in California. Is that right? I am. I am. Yes. Where are you located? I'm in New York, but like in the suburbs now. Opposite sides of the coast, just saying hello. (laughs) But you're originally a Canuck, huh? You're Canadian. Yeah. My parents uh, are both Canadian and I was born in Los Angeles, but Due to my parents, I have Canadian status. I'm a a dual passport holder, um, which came in great handy uh, when making the show. So we made it up in Canada. We have for the last seven years, and it's been an utter joy working up there. And your husband, who is your real-life husband and on-screen husband, is he also Canadian or is he American? He's not, although I tease him that he's more Canadian than me. He's from Chicago, um, but Chicago and Toronto, I'll say, I can't speak for all Canadians because Calgary is a whole other world. But I will say that like Ontario, specifically Toronto and Chicago has a lot of crossover in personality. It's got a Midwest energy, right? It's uh, They're the guy at the bar that's got a lot to say. They want to talk to you. They, they don't mind getting down to it. But also there's <laughs> kind of like a Union Joe vibe where no one's better, no poppy too tall. We're all in this together. <laughs> Yes, I feel like they're very friendly. They're very friendly. They're very friendly and they don't want to appear as though they're better than you. Whereas LA and New York, they're like, oh, I, I actually designed that. You know, there's, they're claiming uh, <laughs> ownership over things that uh, Chicago and Canadian might not or Toronto might not. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. You like that shirt? I just, I made that shirt that you're wearing. Yeah. Um, Enjoy it. it (laughs) So how do you feel about living out, by the way, in like the LA land? Because I don't know if, I mean, I don't want to insult anyone, but I don't know if I could do it. So much pressure. There's a lot of pressure. And I know one of your fans followers was my roommate of a billion years in Los Angeles, Christian Wilkinson, Mother of two. What's up, Christian? Hey, Christian. Um, and she, she hung out in L.A. for a long time, not an actor, 
by trade, although highly entertaining and beautiful. Um, but she moved to Ohio with her husband and kids. And I think they're a lot happier there. I think LA is a tough city to crack. I live in Santa Barbara currently, which is about an hour and a half north. It's where my mom lives. Um, and I wanted to sort of be close to her uh, after my dad passed away. So it's been a nice fit for us. It's a little slower than LA, but it's really beautiful. And I've really enjoyed it here. That's so nice. And I'm so sorry about your dad. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much. I know you've been really um, forthcoming about your emotion um, over his passing on your Instagram page and um, the new season, the next season of your show is dedicated to him and very special. And he was in the business as well, right? He was. Yeah. He, um, so Ivan Reitman was his name and he directed a bunch of movies, particularly in the eighties and nineties that became hits. So the Ghostbusters and twins, kindergarten cop, Dave. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. That is all... ridiculously amazing. <laughs> yes. Those are signature IR movies. Yes, um, they are. He, uh, he was a pretty wonderful guy. Um, and I, I've been sort of bowled over by the grief of it. And I, you know, you always think, you know, I, I lost a dog a few years ago and I was like, okay, I understand grief. It sucks. I get it. And um, it turns out that was just like the lobby of the building that is grief when a parent dies. Um, so it's been a, it's been a real journey. It just sucks. Can you swear on this podcast? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking delight. Yeah, it fucking sucks. It fucking uh, sucks, but, um, you know, I'm trying to... And you're to... only 41, so how old was your yeah. dad? He was 75. He was yeah, pretty young, young. considering. Um, yeah. And it, you know, caught us all by surprise. He, like, he was at my house that day, like, you know, having a good time, and then he went to bed and didn't wake up, so... You're kidding just me. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm so, so sorry. It's just... Thank you. I honestly, like think about that stuff now as we're getting older and you know like my grandparents died in the last couple of years and stuff and I'm watching my my mother grieve her parents death which is a completely different situation I mean they were so old no but it's real time yeah. but she's still so sad to lose her parents and and uh I don't think you're ever prepared for it, it and certainly not in the way that it happened to your dad so I'm so sorry my heart is with you Oh, thanks. I, I will say to those grieving listening, it's, and I don't know if you all feel this way, but for me, it definitely clicked me into, it made me aware of my age and it made me aware of how precious this little ride is, not to sound corny, but um, we only have so long and we really are put on this earth to have some fun, maybe make some more kids, uh, you know, replace ourselves and get the hell out. And I feel I feel the intention of that in a way I never did before. So I think there is sort of a blessing of a death where it makes you go, okay, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I have so many years left. I don't know, hopefully more than 30. And I want to do what I can with them and replace myself with good people and, you know, do my best out here. It's so funny talking to you as a real person right now, because even when I watched the show like first years ago before I would have ever imagined talking to you on a podcast episode like this, I felt like it feels kind of like you so much are Kate Foster. Is that, is that true? Like, do you feel very much like you're 
portraying a lot of the person that you you are in real life? For sure. We've got crazy crossover. Um, but she's got a lot of qualities I wish I had. Um, so the characters were created, Kate, Frankie, Anne, and Jenny were created. They were based in season one off of like flaws of mine. I basically became a mother, experienced postpartum depression right out the gates and went back to work too quickly where it really became amplified. And I started feeling like I was having this identity crisis where I was looking around and everyone else who was a mother just seemed kind of a natural fit. They were maternal. They were selfless. They were they had an elegance that I couldn't tap into. Um, and I felt like I made a mistake. I felt like, okay, I wasn't really meant to be a mom. Do you think that that, that perception of the other mom's like elegance that you, you saw at that time was real? Or do you think that, that they were just maybe kind of hiding how difficult it is to be a mother? Because <laughs> I feel a lot like how you felt. I think there's a little of both. Like, I, I do think that there are women, I think there are parents that are born naturally maternal or paternal, that they they feel a connection right away with their child, that they feel, I'm, I'm sure everyone feels fear to a certain degree, but I certainly met a lot of women specifically in this mommy and me group that I was in that were sort of like, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel very scared. I feel really connected to the kid and I'm just taking it one day at a time. And I was like, what? what the fuck? I am terrified. I don't want to drive anywhere with him because I will accidentally kill him. I thought that I was going to ruin him and in the process ruin myself, which I felt really selfish about. I was really scared of not being interesting anymore or attractive or cool or smart. I thought everything was just going to be seeped out of me. And Anyway, the, the point of bringing all this up was that the characters, Anne, Frankie, Jenny, and Kate, were all based off of huge flaws of mine. Kate, my ambition, which certainly all seemed, always seemed to get in the way. Uh, my lost child, which was Frankie. My anger, which was Anne. And my vanity, which was Jenny. And so those qualities that no one seemed to want to talk about in my mommy and me group, I just gave them to these characters that, of course, seven years later have turned into you know three-dimensional wonderful characters that the actresses and the writers brought to life um, more than I ever could in season one. Um, but that's where it all stemmed from. Well, I remember watching season one and being like, this is a fucking great show because it mm -hmm. was so real. The feelings, <laughs> the emotions um, and everybody, I feel like you felt like you could be truly like friends with um, in, in the show and, and the actors are just they really great acting. Yeah, and, they're amazing. Uh, and so I guess I, I like did so I feel like your show highlighted so well the struggles of women um as moms and as working moms, but even like I wasn't a working mom at that time and I felt so much of everything that you were talking about just being, you know, pulled in a million different directions all the time. But it also um highlighted like the importance of female friendships mm. so much too. Um and how like much you really need to lean on that as a as a mother and, and knowing women that are kind of going through what you're going through and to be able to be honest with them like your relationship with Anne and the show it's funny that sort of when I went into the show I was just trying to write about my you know experiences as a mother and things that I had seen portrayed on tv yet and what was wild was I think Danny Kind who plays Anne and I had such natural chemistry and our friendship it just kept 
it kept developing on camera in a way where it became the love story of the show more than I ever predicted it would. And it was such a like wonderful discovery. These are just things you learn when making a mess, you know, of a TV show, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what the show is about. That's so cool. And, you know, it, it informs the writer's room. We start writing more to it. And the amount of women who have approached me about that female friendship that, you know, I don't know, I always liken it to, um, and I know Sex in the City is about female friendship as well, really successfully. But, you know, the way we watch those women be fashionable and sort of lived vicariously through their fucking rad fashion. I feel like Kate and Anne's dynamic, their friendship, there's a similar sort of fantasy fulfillment. When you watch it, you're like, oh, that friendship feels easy. That feels good. I need that. And it, there's some, like a, it's, a, it's a parallel in a way. Yeah, I mean, the honesty is so great. I mean, the writing is just amazing because it's so on point with with real life. Um, how about like being on screen with your husband in real life? Is that <laughs> is that like, or were there days that you're like, I'm annoyed with you and I don't feel like acting? Of course. <laughs> of course. He's still my husband. Um, yeah. Phil's an amazing dude. And for those who know him can speak to this, like he's such a pro and he wants to make the best product possible in every aspect of our lives. Every dinner, every Halloween costume, he's the perfectionist out of the two of us. So when approaching a scene, which can be very annoying, <laughs> but also like gets the job done, right? In a way where I'm so grateful for him because he's constantly improving the quality of our life. But as a scene partner, of course, he wants to bring everything to it. Um, and we got really good, like really, really good at communicating to each other and being able to like take our husband and wife hat on and put on our Kate and Nathan hats on. Like if we had a, a fight, we would be able to be like, okay, this is what we're doing in the scene and just like turn it off, Yeah, which started to sort of blur into our real life. Like, you know, when you're with your kids and you have to pretend you're not in a fight with your husband, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's something sort of similar where you're like, okay, we will deal with this later. You're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere right now. This takes priority. whether it's the scene or the kids or whatever the hell it is yeah yeah you kind of just have to back burner shit sometimes totally and compartmentalizing is such a huge part of marriage that it's it was a natural fit yeah i'm still mad at him for cheating on you by the way (laughs) by the way that was kind of his idea the dude's such a genius like he came into he always comes to the writer's room a few months in and it's like you know tells us what works and doesn't work and we had another character having the affair and he was like, you're crazy. You got to make it Nathan. And he pitched himself for it. I'm like, Philip, do you know what you're doing? And he was like, yeah, I think it's better. I think it's a bigger hit. And when we, we sort of, you know, we do something called breadcrumb, which is where you go backwards from what you want the big splash to be. And you set up, you know, you lay all these breadcrumbs down. So the viewer feels like they're getting there in an earnest way. And uh, it made sense. Like all the breadcrumbs fit. So it was a great pitch. But yes, waitresses hate him. Flight attendants hate him. Cut like a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you ever get like self-conscious about the way things are going to play out on camera after they air and stuff? Or you feel good? Like you're like, I, this is good. I knew this. I know this is good shit. Like, yeah. I mean, by the time it airs, Caitlin, like it, 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 it takes like a whole year to make this thing, right? And I'm watching myself over and over again, and I'm reading it over and over again, and I'm noting it, and I'm editing it. And by the time it airs, I'm so like, 
watch it, you know, <laughs> because we it's it's such a process. Um, I don't feel self-conscious when strangers watch it. I feel self-conscious when friends and family watch it. I'm like, oh yeah, because they know me and they know my kids and they know my husband and that feels a little bit more self-conscious making, but I'm still like, there's nothing else I should be doing. This is what I should be doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I you definitely should be doing what you're doing. And I, um, Thank you. I feel similarly to you with like Instagram posts and stuff. Like, it's funny that I just like, you know, I'll say whatever, but when I think about the people who know me in real life watching it, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I hope that was like, okay by them, you know? Totally. Um, what is that? I know. It's, I, I guess that then you put weight in some people who don't even deserve it. You're just like, oh God, I hope I didn't offend them or they're going to think that's not me. And it's like, what am I even doing? This or, is my life. Yeah. Sometimes the people who deserve it the least, right? Like you're like, I'm most worried so about that. Love? I don't know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Very you guys nice. have two children in real life what are your kids yes. ages uh, I've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and um they are in fourth and first grade okay uh two little boys and they uh the first one was two and a half when I started making the show and my little guy was three months wow Wow. Yeah. It's so incredible. Did you feel like you worked through different like hard parts of motherhood through that show? Like that it helped you figure stuff out or like think through things? Oh yeah. Oh, it was totally cathartic. It was, it was, it was a wild ride. Um, and I always liken the show to another, like my third kid because I've had to learn, like I always say I white knuckled season one because I didn't know what I was doing similar to when I had a newborn and then by season two, you kind of have a toddler that is walking and talking back and telling you where it's funny and where it's angry. And and then by the time you're at season seven, she's about to graduate high school and you kind of have to like let her do her thing and let go. And it's it's been a crazy journey. Yeah. And do you feel like, I mean, through the show, you highlight so much about what it is to be a working mom and then you were a working mom on the show. Do you still go through all those normal things that like you know, the, the guilt, the you know, being torn in a million different directions. And those things that also like, you could speak to this about your husband too, because he's doing the exact same thing as you, although maybe you're doing a little more work on the show because you're like the whole show, but, um, you know, just the things that you're expected to. Do I feel mom guilt? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I hear it, you know, like I hear it from others. I hear it from others more than my kids. My kids genuinely seem happy. I mean, for the most part, and they still complain about me, but they're not complaining about me missing things and being a working parent. They're complaining about me putting the wrong, you know, fucking snacks in their lunchbox. Um, <laughs> but I get, you know, like I drop off my big guy at, he's in a basketball carpool where they like go to their club basketball games and you know, I always like the moms, if I don't show up, if Phil, like Phil is an incredible 50-50 parent. I just want to say that, like, not everybody gets that. I got that. He rules. Um, we don't currently have a nanny. We haven't had one in over a year, which is a wonderful thing to have a nanny. But in our job, you kind of need one and we don't have one. And it's kicking our ass. I was, how the hell but, do you work that? Like, how do you even? I mean, school, school's a blessing. Yeah. But also... Like you're just leaning on other parents. You're leaning on, you know, it, it, you're, you're barely scrapping by. Like it's been, 
I don't recommend it. <laughs> Wait, this has been for uh, the whole time since you've had kids, you haven't had a nanny or just this is no, a no, no, just thing. a year. It's just been one year, which I am highly aware of how privileged I sound. No, um, you're a working mother. You, yeah, that's it. For working the hours we do without help has been pretty crazy. Um, but the kids, what I was saying before is that, you know, if my husband drops off Jackson at a basketball thing, the other mothers are like, oh, is Catherine working? And he says, he, he delivers it just perfectly. He, there's just a little bit of a hint of something on it where you have to go, okay. And maybe they didn't say it that way, right? Maybe Phil and I are reading into it because we're so hyper aware of what the show has done to our lives. And we just so badly want the kids to be well represented out in the world. Um, but I suspect there's a little bit of like, you know, is she a hands-on parent? And, you know, does she care about her kids as much as her precious acting career? I'm, I always wonder if there's a little bit of that out there. Mm, yeah. Fuck them though. You know, fuck, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so we, we briefly touched on this like right before we started the show, but um, you have a kiddo who's home from school today. And I didn't realize um, there's a very specific diagnosis that your son has. And I wanted you to kind of talk about that. We didn't have this planned, but I think it's a great time to sort of shed light on this. Yeah. You know, I had never heard of it before. So it's P-A-N-D-A-S, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep Throat. Long story short, my kid was acting out in a way that was not him. This is my little guy. And um, it's one thing when you're like six-year-old is having tantrums because that's kind of normal. But there was separation anxiety. There was a little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder. There was all sorts of qualities that weren't who he is. And finally to the point where he got suspended from school and we were really concerned. And our pediatrician shared with us that he had strep throat. And as a result of strep throat, he had something called pandas. And I started laughing because it's such a ridiculous name for a virus. So through strep throat, your brain changes, basically. It will come back. But it you you behave differently. You have some crazy symptoms that are unlike who your child is. And as a result, he was really acting out in a way that Philip and I couldn't predict and was getting him in a lot of trouble at school. He was put on antibiotics and the symptoms went away and we thought he was fine. But right now they're acting up again. And it's been a roller coaster, not just for Phil and I, but for my little guy who, yeah. you know, can't seem to get the ground under him. He doesn't feel like himself. He doesn't feel safe. Um, and it's just, it's made, it's made life a roller coaster for him and for us and our school. And I just wanted to put out there for anyone else who was experiencing pandas. Cause when you bring it up, like you wonder if the teachers even believe you, cause it's, it's not something that's talked about frequently. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, you know, one of the biggies. I've only heard of it one other time. How long has it been going on? Uh, September. Okay. It was September and it can go on for months and months and it can go on for a few weeks. It really depends on the case. Um, but it's, it's a crushing thing. And, you know, when I bring it up with friends, I think they're, you know, I mean, everyone, thank God the moms at my school have been extraordinary, but there's you know, I'm sure a few who are scratching their head, not thinking that's real. And that's heartbreaking because their serotonin is literally under attack. Like they're, they're struggling to be happy. Um, so it's been, it's been a really challenging time, um, for all of us, but we're also, 
you know, I'm getting a lot more time with him. I'm getting to know him in a way I never knew before. And he's such a spectacular little guy. Like he's got all these just amazing qualities that I know once he gets through this, will shine on and he'll like, Phil and I keep telling ourselves like, he's going to be better for this, right? Like he's way too handsome (laughs) and funny and interesting. This is going to give him a little bit of grit and make his life more interesting down the road. Yeah. I mean, I just, you've got to, it's got to be a certain amount of like anxiety kind of not knowing which way it's going to turn or come back or whatever. And so there's like that whole fear. I mean, I, I, from dealing with children's illnesses now, pretty much like any illness makes me just sort of PTSD freak out a little bit. Totally. And you feel like oddly responsible for it, even though it's like just this thing that happens. And um, yeah, I mean, I would say to anyone listening who has it, that there are many, many cases out there. It's becoming less and less of an odd thing and to speak about it because the more we talk about it, especially because it's with our children, it gives our children less of a stigma on the opportunity to sort of go through it and be normal, feel normal. So typically this is treated via an antibiotic. Is that the way it works? And then it's because it's treating the strep? Correct. So it treats the strep and usually takes care of the symptoms with it, but the symptoms can leave and come back. It's really unfortunate. And it's it's a really hard thing to sort of nail down. My, our, our kids' teachers are amazing now, though, because they can identify it like one of my kids' symptoms was he just eats like crazy. He's this tiny little guy, tiny little guy, and he just inhales. And if he's eating snacks all day, like he has to sit outside the classroom and eat snacks, they're like, pandas might be back. And then you you just start being able to be like, oh, this is a few too many tantrums over nothing. And it's, you know, it's an accumulation of of things that we've been able to identify or he can't leave my side. Like I, I couldn't drop him off at school for a little bit without me having to really stay with him or he'd go nuts. So that was the the peak point of it was unbearable. Um, And he still was like his sweet self underneath, which is so much harder, right? If they're just jerks, you're like, okay. (laughs) But he would, he would have these like little, you know, we'd be snuggling in bed and he'd have these like yummy moments that were just so signature him. And it made my heart break. Yeah. So what, what's the course of action when like the symptoms resurface? Is there a secondary treatment plan or? Well, you're asking at a good time. He's literally at the pediatrician. I think I actually heard them come home. So he's coming home with my husband now and we'll learn what, you know, what the treatment will be. He, you know, we've got an excellent psychiatrist, which has been helping a ton. And, you know, a team of people around us who've been incredibly supportive. So um, in terms of where you're at in your in your motherhood journey now with you have a six year old and a nine year old, we're in a really similar wheelhouse, except for I have one more under that the three year old. I have a three year old as well. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Sorry for your loss. Thank you for the condolences. How do you feel about like motherhood now versus when you started out, like what being in that postpartum depression and just kind of like loss of self and everything? Do you feel back or do you think you never get that stuff back or what? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think I've got I think I've grown a ton. I think the person I was so terrified of losing has like doubled in size. Like I it's so (laughs) weird. Like you people say you become a mother and you like gain all this wisdom and strength and badassery but 
And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what women say to themselves to like get over the fact that they're sad that they became moms. Like, I remember <laughs> thinking that. And then you actually become a mother and you do gain all this wisdom and badassery. And you're like, oh, it's real. I can handle anything now. Well, true, because it's so hard. Well, and you should, I mean, your son survived leukemia. I mean, you're, 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 if anyone should know about a little bit about badassery, it's you. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, it was not an easy time. And obviously, like every parent's worst nightmare to go through something like that. But I always say, like, we're the lucky ones because he's okay now and doing well and thriving. And that's all. Thank God. Like, Thank that's God. all you needed. Like, you would literally walk to the end of the earth to do anything to make sure your kids were going to be okay and do it all over again if you knew you were going to have the same outcome. Um, uh, so, Really, I truly feel like we are very blessed and lucky, and and um, I'm just grateful to be where we're at today. Just more of, kind of what you were saying about, you know, living in the moment, and um, it teaches you to to just be here and now. And um, and I, by the way, I am not like a Zen master by any fucking stretch of the imagination, but I am trying. I try to be better about being like present now, focusing on the here. Well, this is what I'm saying. You experience a little bit of ouch and you can't help but get zenny. You can't yeah. help but feel like, oh man, oh man, I survived that. Look at the way the leaves move on the tree. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, slowing down and petting your dog more and feeling the moments. And that's, yeah. I think that's a really beautiful part of it. Did you ever do any stand up, by the way? No, I think I'd be a terrible stand up. Um, I think stand ups are one of the most impressive specimens on earth. Um, I was an improv person. So I like working with a team. I like, I like being able to, you know, bounce off somebody else. Exactly. And sort of find a flow. And I really rely on others. Uh, someone who can stand up and just set up, punch, set up, punch, set up, punch by themselves and get heckled on top of it. They're heroes. Oh my God. The heckling. I didn't even really think about that. I know, but you're so fucking funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. And look, I got heckled plenty. The internet's a wild thing. <laughs> you got to have some thick skin to do what you're doing, right? And then be ready for them to criticize your thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, there's no uh, there's no relief. It's just like a punching bag. That's right. That's right. So what do you feel like at this point in, in your in your life as a working mom like that you're doing great at? Like, what could you give yourself a pat on the back for? Ooh. You need to give yourself a compliment. Do people do this? Do they like answer what they're good at? Um, <laughs> that's tricky, man. Cause I'm always like, I don't know. I'm pretty tough on myself. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I mean, I love the shit out of my kids. There's no getting around it. Um, I mean, they drive me crazy, but yeah. I love them in a way that I don't love myself. <laughs> oh, don't say that you're so lovable no, no, I, love I, I love myself I love myself Catherine you're fantastic and um and you know look I I've had to look myself in the mirror plenty of times and be like look at you look at you I I'm, I'm proud of I'm proud of who I am um but I do love my kids in a way that like you said I would go to the ends of the earth and do just about anything for them yeah yeah. Is that a, is that enough of a, a self compliment? I think it is. Yeah. I feel like it's like saying you're proud of how much you love them and like what, how much you would give of yourself for your kids. I mean, I got, I got, I got a good neck on me and some good calves. 
I mean, if we're just looking for stuff that we're proud of. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just shout it out. I've, you're like, I can rock a skirt. I can rock a capri pant. No problem. By the way, you do look great. You have a rocking body. Thank you. Yeah. And I saw you in scary on that scary mommy post. You were looking pretty sexy. Sexy AF. How about that? Really went for it. Yeah, you did. I um, <laughs> I did the stupidest thing. It was my husband's birthday recently, and my friend was like, print the sexy photo of yourself for his birthday, put it in a frame, you know, what a what a hot gift. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what, what else am I going to do a sexy photo shoot? You know what? I will. And if he doesn't like it, at least I can duck it away somewhere, and I know that when I'm 65, I can pull it out and be like, well, look at you. So I print it. The frame lady was like, okay. And I bring it home, and I wrap it up. <laughs> My mom had surprised us and invited some family friends over for his birthday dinner because I thought I was just pulling it out in front of my mom. So, <laughs> so it's sitting on the table with like all wrapped up next to the cake. And, you know, my mom's like banana Republic sweaters she got for him, uh, which by the way are gorgeous. But dinner ends, he opens up the banana Republic sweaters and he's like, oh, you know, and he opens up the cards for my kids. Oh. And then he, and then they're like, look at this enormous one. Catherine, what did you get him? And <laughs> inside, I'm like, ah. And I'm like trying to figure out if I should get out of it. And like, I'm like, oh, this is private. But then it's weirder if it's private. So he opens it in front of my mom and my kids are in the room. I thought my kids would, because they usually rush out the second dinner is done to go watch TV. And uh, they were there and my family's friends. And it's you know, it's like these sexy photos. They're not, you know, porn. I mean, it's covered, but it's still like very provocative. And it was quiet, silent. Oh my God. I love this. And I was like, Phil, I was like, I started immediately rambling and and self-deprecating to another level where I was like, I know it's stupid and I'm crazy (laughs) and let's stick it on the closet and forget it. And I'm just like totally going nuts. And Finally, the women in the room didn't know what to say. So they were just like, no, it's great. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great like TV moment, actually. Except it was real life with the people I care so much about. And And they've all seen you in your underwear. It it was definitely a moment of like, huh, this played better up here. This played better in my mind. Happy birthday. <laughs> like I might as well have gotten one of those. You remember when you were kids and you like did like a packet of gift certificates for your parents that were homemade? Like I'll make you, I'll make you cookies and I'll do the laundry. And I might as well have like made a stack of them that was like BJ's. Whenever you want. Like what was I thinking? Open this in front of everyone, please. Yes, open it now. <laughs> open it now. <laughs> Oh my God. That's classic. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it with everyone. Uh Um, That was so gracious of you. Uh All right. So Catherine, I want to, I want to let you go because I know you have to get down to your kiddo and chat with your husband. But before you have a very important question to ask you, which is I usually close out a lot of like my Instagram posts with telling people to get themselves a snack. And so what I need to know is what snack would you get yourself? If I was like, Catherine, go get a snack. Finally, finally, the important questions. (laughs) I'm a salt over sugar girl. So I would go with like, um, I like a nachos. I like a tortilla chip with a guac or a pico de gallo. Um, But if, you know, if I'm in a pinch, if I'm on the road, 
I'll take a Dorito. I'll take a Dorito. A Dorito on the run. Mm. A to-go Dorito is is my grab. Yeah, that is a that is a salacious sound. <laughs> that is she dirty. Yeah, she dirty. Look, I mean, for the for the ladies out there who might be jamming on some Doritos right now, I respect the fuck out of you. That is a snack. That is a fucking snack. That's running your fingers. You know what I mean? That, that's a commitment for at least 30. It might be ruining your shirt too. You might be wearing that snack. You got to yeah. wear, like you have to own that snack in every way at that point. You only wear a certain color when you're munching a Dorito because then you can really commit. <gasps> my kids are here. Now my kids are here. That was unexpected. Everybody, all right, hang on one second. You guys wait till I close this out. Do I Yeah, I will. One second. That is the end of the episode, Catherine. How else could it end? Perfection. Thank you so much for coming today. It was a joy getting to talk to you and getting to know you a little bit. Let's keep in touch on the gram. It was so much fun. Thank you so much, guys. Lots of love. Thanks, baby. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack. <laughs>